Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we pray to, as we uh, get ready for this message. Lord, um, we just come before you, Father, and it's so good to be in the house of worship. Father, thank you that we can sing praise to your name. You are holy, God. You are righteous. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you continue to lavish and pour out, that your love overwhelm us, Lord. I pray that we would run deeper into your love. Father, we also want to claim and know that there is power in the name of Jesus. And Father, because there's power in the name of Jesus, we cry out to you for healing. For those that this morning come in broken or struggling in a relationship, Father, what's, uh, their, their health is bad. Father, we just call out to you. We call out to the power in the name of Jesus Christ that you would move on us. Let us be open to your spirit, more, more open to your spirit, Father, that you would just pour out yourself here. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bible, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 this morning as we continue in working our way through the book of Acts. I want you to know in Acts, we've been looking at the first couple of weeks, we looked at this idea that Acts is a part of the movement, okay? That we're a part of the movement of God. And sometimes we can make church just like a little check mark. We come, we do church, and then we go about our lives. And so what I've been praying for this series is that we would be more open to the Spirit's leading. We realize that we've been gifted the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to powerfully work through this body of Christ here in this community for the namesake of the gospel going forth. That's the prayer. And so I want you to see that you're a part of that. The Holy Spirit's moving and working and using you in your neighborhoods, your workplaces to be used for Jesus Christ. And we also looked about the importance of God's Word. And I think sometimes we, we even talked about this in our small group this last week. God's Word can be kind of like, why do you believe? Well, my, my parents told me to believe, you know, or I, I just have always believed the Scriptures because of that. We need to know that this is written by people that, you know, the disciples were living with Jesus in and out. They watched Him go in and out. They were witnesses to the, to the resurrection and it changed their life so much that they would go to their death proclaiming that the resurrection is true and that Jesus really was who he says he was. So we need to absolutely soak in and love the word of God. And so today we're going to be looking at kind of this incredible miracle of a man who was born uh, lame from birth and we're going to see uh, an incredible miracle. And so I want us to dig into this passage. But before we do, I really want to ask a question. How did Jesus do his signs and wonders? You know, and I think the best way to look at that is to go to the scriptures so that we get how Jesus did his signs and wonders. So real quickly, um, Acts and Luke, two volume set. Uh, Luke wrote these. He's a doctor. He's, Acts is volume two. Luke is volume one. I'm going to read from Luke chapter four, verse one. If you want to, it'll be on the screen. Also, you can just follow there. And then we're going to flip down to verse 14 in, Acts, in Luke four as well. This is what it says in Luke uh, four, one. And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. It said, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke 4, now I'm going to skip down a few verses, verse 14, and it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and report went out through all the surrounding countries about him. And he was teaching in the synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he was being, having been raised, and he entered in accordance with the customs and the habit of the day and the Sabbath to the synagogue. And he rose to read, and it was given to him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
For this reason has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim to the captives liberation and forgiveness, uh, to the blind recovery of sight, and to the shattered liberation and forgiveness, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And rolling up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant. He sat, and all the eyes of the synagogue were staring and gazing at him intently. Now he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So I want you to see that everything that Jesus did, everything that he said, everything that he proclaimed, he did under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God gave Jesus his spirit, anointing him. And so that he could proclaim good news to the poor, set the captives free, uh, those that receive sight to the blind, and so on. So Jesus did nothing. He did it under the authority of the Holy Spirit and of God himself. And so I wanted to see that. How did Jesus restore sight? Healed is because he was under the spirit of the Lord was upon him. That's what Luke 4, 1 tells us. So now we're going to dive into this passage today and see how the disciples were able to do healings as well. So if you have uh, Acts chapter 3, we're going to read the passage, one, uh, the whole chapter. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can dig in with me here. This is what it says. You can follow along as well. Now Peter and John, notice they're together and they're doing ministry together, were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This would have been about 3 p.m. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, being, was being carried and placed every day at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from the ones that went into the temple. So here's what happens. This man is from very birth lame. He couldn't use his legs. People would have to carry him every day to the place, the gate, the beautiful gate, and he would lay there and he would ask for collections. He would say, you know, uh, can I get some help? And he would ask for alms. If you had need in this community, often you think, let's go to the church. Christians should be able to help, right? And so we have people come into the church a lot of times and ask for help. So this man is sitting there. People bring him there every day. He's looking for a little bit of substance for the day just to kind of make it through the day. What do you think this guy felt as he sits there every day watching people go in and out of the temple? Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to walk just like they are? I think that he's probably hungry for that. But yet here we see he faces them and then Peter and John come in and Peter and John about to enter the temple in verse 3 and ask, he is asking to receive alms. Now Peter, looking intently at him with John, said, look at us. Now he fixed his attention on them, expecting something to receive from something from them. So he's probably wondering, what am I going to get? Am I going to get enough for today, a little bit for lunch today? Or am I going to get something big, a major gift? And here's what happens. Um, Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he grasped his hands and he raised him up. Now immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, leaping up. He stood up and he was walking around and he entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I don't know if your feet have ever, your legs have ever fallen asleep, you know? Have you ever fallen asleep and then you get up and that kind of, you know, weird, strange buzz feeling in your legs? Well, all of a sudden he stands up by the, you know, Peter reaches out his hands in faith in the name of Jesus and he raises him up and his legs and his ankles are given strength and he's walking, and he's jumping. It's kind of like the Rocky Balboa scene, right? He is jumping up and down and can't believe that he can walk. He's been restored to completely health, and now he's walking into the temple with Peter 
and John, and he's praising God. Probably what his heart had longed to do all along. Verse 10, now they were recognizing him that this is the one that asking for the, the alms sitting at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were, they were filled with surprise and shock for what had happened to him. Verse 11, now they were holding fast. Now he was holding fast to Peter and John and all the people ran to him in the portico called Solomon's. And this is what happens in verse 12. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us, though it was by our own power or piety that we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers glorified the servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Verse 15, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And Here, verse 16, his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus given this man was perfect health in the presence of you all. Verse 17, and now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also the rulers. Repent, verse 19, and turn to God so that our sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who is appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven had to receive him until the time came for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. Verse 22, Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like from uh, from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. In verse 23, it says, And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophets shall be destroyed uh, destroyed from the people. So here's the deal. How did they do the, the power of God? How were they doing these miracles? It's made very clear here that Peter wasn't some super Christian, okay? That he wasn't some uh, extraordinary power. He made it very clear that it's the same thing that's available to every one of us today. It's the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus, friend. And so Peter says it's faith in Jesus. He says it's faith through Jesus. It's faith that God will act and that the name of Jesus will be lifted up, that he will heal and restore to bring honor to his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what he does, friend. Even the faith to call out for Peter to call this out was through the power of Jesus Christ. So he was absolutely leaning on the power of Jesus Christ. And we need to know, friend, that there is power in Jesus. And I pray that we would hunger and thirst for more of the Holy Spirit's presence in our church body. That we wouldn't just come and check out and just do, you know, we would be sensitive. God, where are you calling? Where are you moving? How do I need to listen? How do I need to grow in your word? The Holy Spirit will will give you power through that. So today, with the time that we have left, I just have a couple points for you how we could potentially squelch the Holy Spirit. And that's a caution for every one of us. I, don't want, I want us to be a church that's open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to know, the gift is, in Romans 8 and 9, it says, if you are a believer, every believer has been gifted the Holy Spirit. So if you put your faith and your trust, you've been gifted the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to understand the scriptures, wisdom to uh, be obedient to following the leadings and the the teachings of scripture. And so we need to be open to the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit. 
So I pray that we would be open to the Spirit of God. And so these are three cautions that I see in this passage that we need to be wearful of. So number one, I want you to see about the potential of squelching the Spirit. Be cautious that we don't do Lone Ranger ministry. What does that mean? We don't do it all on our own. Because when you get pulled away all by yourself, a lot of times that's when Satan will attack and pull one of us away. Uh, scripture says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says, two are better than one uh, because they will have a good reward for the toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone, but he falls and has no one to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how do they keep warm alone? And, the, through a, uh, and though a man may prevail against one who is alone, two will, will stand him. A th- th- cord of three stands, strands is not quickly broken. Friend, it's good for us to have people around us, to support us, to walk through. Otherwise, we can be very prone to, to, to attacks and prone to falling in the Lord. And we see this time and time again. So when we're doing ministry, a lot of times, you know, you volunteer for vacation Bible school, you're going to be part of a team. You're going to be a part of a team that's praying and ministering and lifting up, and we're going to come alongside. Friend, if, if you don't have an accountability partner, we should, that would call us out and shape us and form us. I got to tell you, we're dangerous by ourselves. Jesus modeled this. He said when he sent out his disciples, I'm going to send you out two by two. And so that's what he did. And so I want you to know, we need to follow that as well. I had a, um, in college, I had a, a friend of mine, I was involved in a campus ministry called Ichthus. It was a great campus ministry, and we had a, a, a leadership team. It was kind of a, the juniors and seniors, you could kind of be a student leader. And so we had a leadership team of about five, six guys. And we were, you know, praying over the ministry, what God would want to do. And one of the guys joined a fraternity a little bit later in his college career. And so he said, you know what, guys, I have got a passion and a heart that I want to minister to those in the fraternity house. And they happen to hang out at the bars. And so I'm going to start going to the bars trying to win people to Jesus. And so he said, will you be praying for me? Well, I got to tell you, after a couple weeks, you know, we kind of checked in. He's like, oh, no, it's going great. Everything's going good. Well, about a month later, we got a report that he was just going out getting drunk every night. You know, because it started with just kind of hanging out and one beer. And then it was just all of a sudden he was just, and we met with him and we said, what's going on here, Matt? How do you, you know, what's your heart like? And he said, guys, I'm done with faith in Christ. I'm running now with, you know, this is what my life's going to be like. And it was sad because he had nobody around with him, nobody doing it together. He was lone ministry. And so therefore we are vulnerable. So we need to not do team, we need to not do lone ranger ministry, that we be part of a team and that God would use us. And remember that two are better than one. So it's one way to safeguard the movement of the spirit in our lives. The second thing I want you to see is that we'll crush the spirit's movement as you open yourself up what God might be wanting you to do, pride. Pride and also saying, hey, I can, you know, taking credit for everything that happens. Sometimes we can do a good job at something and some people say, well, you did a wonderful job with that. And it feels really good, right? But we can get kind of puffed up in ego. I want you to see that in this passage, the thing that happens is uh, they, first, when they see this miracle happen, they go into the temple, everyone's staring at Peter and John because, you know, Peter and John were doing ministry together as a team, and so they were, and they'll do it later in Acts as a team as well, but they were all thinking, what did you guys do? And Peter and John are like, don't even look at us. Don't even, because all the glory goes to God. It's in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm not some super Christian. 
And so, friends, we need to, as Christians, we need to deflect glory. We need to give glory to God. Because I want to tell you, it was so amazing. We need to celebrate with some pictures. This stage was full of people, about uh, children, uh, about a week, week and a half ago at the Wana ceremony. And there was a lot of leaders up here handing out bags and caring for people that poured in, and it's a praise. But I want you to know, you could get kind of puffed up. Oh, look at all my kids, look at this, you know. But the thing is, is you, you go back and you say it and you realize, Lord, this is all you. This is the work of your Holy Spirit. This is the work of showing up and being faithful on a Wednesday night when you were exhausted, had a headache, and you came and you wanted to serve God. So it's being open to the movement of God and deflecting glory like Peter and John did here, saying, no, no, this is, this is you, Lord. This was the, the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the power of Jesus. John 3.30 uh, says, um, it, I must decrease. This is John the Baptist. You must increase. So maybe that's a prayer for you. I don't know if you've got a little bit built up on your own kingdom. This is what I'm doing. But he must increase, I must decrease. I pray that that would be true for all of us as we're open to the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is, our culture, society, is glory hungry. Isn't it? I mean, we love to puff ourselves up, right? We love to say, oh, it was me. I'm doing all this stuff for the Lord. And the thing is, is we got to deflect that glory, say, no, it was by you. Peter says in verse 12, this was done by faith in the name of Jesus. He says, no, this is not me. This is Jesus. In verse 16, he says, even the faith that comes through him. So he's giving all glory to the Lord Jesus, and that needs to be true of us, to be open to the Holy Spirit, that we're not squelching the Spirit. The final one I want to give you this morning is that we would also not tell, a danger here would be to tell the partial gospel, just to tell a little bit of it. We need to tell the whole gospel. And here's what happens. This ministry, this, this miracle was done as part of a holistic ministry. Somebody had a need there was somebody lame from birth, and he had a need for healing. And because there was faith in Jesus and the power of Jesus, he was healed, and that led to what? That led to a telling of the gospel. It led to a sermon that was mostly telling about the, the truth of Christianity. And he was talking to him, and he gives them the whole gospel. And the whole gospel is good news, but it's only good news if you understand the whole, whole side of it. Because, friends, we have an eternity to make a decision. We are going to spend either eternity in heaven with our heavenly Father, if we put our faith and trust in Him, or eternity in hell. It's a major decision. This verse, uh, Peter gives them, is very direct. Verse 23, it says, And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Friend, i got to tell you, um, just two weeks ago, um, my son, Josh, 18... Uh, he's graduating. He got to go, and he's been involved in a youth group. He got to go on a, a senior Sunday to kind of tell a little bit of his story, his faith. And Catherine got to go and witness it. And it was so cool. It was so awesome to hear him talk about his faith. But the thing is, he said, I'm not standing here as one better than you, but I don't want you to go to hell. And so he told him about the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, he got a, a text and a call from uh, two different people that said, thank you so much for talking about hell. We never talk about hell in this church, you know? And so we have to tell the whole gospel, the whole truth, not just a partial gospel. That would really be squelching the Spirit. So friends, the question is, is the Holy Spirit still moving today? Yes, 
Absolutely, the Holy Spirit is moving today. Do miracles still happen? Yes, miracles still happen. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to know the early church saw lots of miracles happening. And that was also to give proof that Jesus was who he said he was. That the resurrection truly happened and that he really was the Son of God. But there are still miracles happening today through the blood of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we're not looking for them. Sometimes we don't recognize them or what God's doing, how he's moving. But the thing is, regardless, if we get the thing that we're asking for, some you know, ultimate physical healing here on this earth, I want you to know we have ultimate spiritual healing in Jesus Christ. He has restored us and he's given us the, the promise of eternal life as you put your faith and your trust in him. So friend, yes, pray in power, pray in might. Be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Where does God's Spirit want to use you to go heal a relationship, to, 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 to pray over someone, to, to call out, to care for someone, to, to, to give that maybe uh, as you have generosity and God has given to you, you lavish upon others. So God wants to use you in his ministry. We're a part of the church, the movement of God, and there is power in the name of Jesus. And we need to never forget that the work of the early church was done in the power of the Holy Spirit, so we need to hunger for more of the Spirit and hunger for His presence and then respond and be obedient to the Spirit's leading. The last thing I want you, I want you to know, I've heard so many stories this last week of the Spirit's movement. Um, uh, Laura Nell told me about a, a, a student that was in college, or she's a professor at, in Lindsberg, and she told me that, you know, there was this girl that was unbelievable potty mouth and just really a, a difficult person in college. She ran into her this last week, and her and her husband met the Lord a couple years ago. Her whole life has changed, and now she and her husband are in an RV around Texas planting churches. That's what they do, going around planting churches. That's amazing. That's a praise, the power of God. I want you to know also one story I want to close with. Um, Cassandra and Nick Rose are over here, and um, they met with me. They're like, Pastor George, a couple weeks ago, we got to meet with you. We had something. We want, we want to, you know, share this with you. And so I want to share a little of their story. They said I could as well. They have full-time jobs here in town, but they also work just part-time a little bit at a restaurant over here in Galva. And so she's kind of a, a waitress, and Nick is also in the back a little bit, and they just work a couple nights a week. Well, you know, they, uh, I got the honor of marrying them a couple years ago, and it's a pr privilege to see them grow in their marriage, um, and they love the Lord Jesus, uh, but they've also um, been going through a difficult time trying to get pregnant, and, and they knew that this would be a challenge from the very get-go. But um, this woman comes into the restaurant and just says, she sits down in, a, in an area, and the, uh, it wasn't Cassandra's um, area, and so this waitress walks up to her and says, well, can I help you? And she says, I need to talk to the manager. And she said, well, that's the manager. Manager came out, and she's, uh, she said, no, no, I don't need to talk to the manager. And then Cassandra walked out and was just looking for tables that weren't full at the time, and she said, you know what, I need to talk to her. And she said, she, uh, the waitress went back and said, Cassandra, this woman wants to talk to you. I don't know what it's about. She said, ma'am, I'm not the, she went up, Cassandra went up to her and said, ma'am, I'm not the, uh, you know, the manager here. And she said, oh, I know you're not. But I want you to know we have someone in common. And God gave me a message to come and to talk to you. And she said, you know what? I want you to know, um, she gave her a, she said, if you have a moment, she says, are you and your husband, um, you're married, right? And she said, well, I, Yes, but she wasn't wearing her wedding ring. She never wears it to work. But she said, yes, I'm married. And she said, you know, I've, uh, also you've wanted to have kids as well, right? 
And she said, yes, we've been wanting to have kids for a long time, but it's just, it's not been happening. And she didn't know that, but she said, yes. And she said, well, I want you to know that God has a blessing coming for you. And she says, I have a couple scriptures for you. And she shared with them 1 John and one from Psalms. And she wrote those down. And, uh, and she said, I want to pray for you. And the woman prayed for her. And she, she said she just felt the overcoming, the, well, the overwhelming spirit of God um, on her. And there was a touch in her. And, uh, and it's just amazing. And so uh, she also said, you know, you need to be baptized. Cassandra and Nick have signed up to be baptized in two weeks as well. And we celebrate that. And so she said, you know, can I? pray for you after she prayed for her. She said, ma'am, well, I, you know, can I get you something? She said, no. She said, but when I come, I will come back when the time there will be a blessing. And this woman was just traveling through, but she had a message for God for Cassandra. And so the thing is, God is still moving. God is still working. We're praying and we're claiming those scriptures over her. But friends, we need to pray for one another. We need to lift one another up and we need to be that blessing. If God calls you and stretches you, how is he moving in you to, to be that blessing to someone else? So as we close today, I want to pray in power that we would pray the name of Jesus over brokenness. I don't know. You guys know what's going on in your heart. Maybe some of you are experiencing great physical pain or there's some question marks with your health. We're going to pray the power of Jesus over that. Some of you may be lonely and going through, you know, looking for that relationship. We're going to pray the power of Jesus over you. Okay, so as we go, let's close in prayer and, uh, and ask for God to lead us this morning. Lord, we just thank you for this healing that Peter and John were a part of. Father, I pray that you would use us through the power of Jesus, that we would proclaim the, the good news and the hope of gospel going forth. Father, there's some in here this morning that need your healing hand, that need your touch. Father, they're broken right now. They're struggling in sin. Lord, we pray the, the, the blood of Jesus over them that there would be power. Father, for those that maybe need healing physically this morning, Lord, would your, the power of Jesus be over them? Would you restore their bodies? Would they restore their minds and their hearts to you, Lord? May they run back to you. Father, we pray for Cassandra and Nick that you would just, by your power and your might, that they would be able to get pregnant, Father, and there would be your glory. Father, you would do a mighty work in our body and we would be about deflecting the glory because it's your name. It's your power. It's through the blood of Jesus we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.